0: So when we started this episode, we didn't imagine that it would grow to the length that it has, but we hope you find it valuable and interesting. Uh, If you do get the podcast version of this, just press play and let it run in the background with with your cleaning or driving or whatever you might be doing. And if you have any feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. This has really been a journey of an opening for us, an opening of awareness Uh, My wife, Amy Dixon, and myself are co-founders in Life Origami Corporation. And so what we're going to begin to do, this is the first of many uh, podcasts, broadcasts, we're going to be doing over a course of time to help bring forward uh, some ideas around Life Origami and how we believe you can uh, bend, fold, and shape life to your will, whims, and wishes And in this episode, we're sharing how we're approaching that by looking at meaning and chasing meaning instead of just happiness, but looking at and confronting and examining our lives to see what the meaning has been so we can help direct our meaning going forward into 2019 and beyond. So give it a listen, call in, love to hear from you folks. Welcome to Life Origami Podcast. This is Greg Dixon and my wife Amy will be joining me later. At Life Origami, we encourage you to fully inhabit your life. So today I'm going to be talking about my journey, my six decade journey, and search for meaning in life. Give it a listen. This is Greg Dixon. And as I mentioned, Amy Dixon, my wife and co-founder will be joining us a little bit later. I just wanted to open this episode, this show, with a reflection on you know my what I call one man's sixth decade search for meaning. Now, as I reflect back on my six decades, I find myself coming to a realization. The realization is I've always been searching for meaning. I've just been searching for it in different ways. Now, you know, since I've kind of always been seeking an answer to the age old question, you know, will my life matter? At the end of the, the end of my life, will my life have mattered? Will it have made a difference? And on some level, I've been seeking these answers throughout my entire life. So what I'd like to do is kind of share my own observations about my journey. I'm going to do that by breaking it down into segments or phases of life. I'm going to talk about the first 20 years of my life. For the first 20 years of my life, I was really searching for, like, who am I and and where do I fit in? You know, I I was kind of shy and insecure. I excelled at working with my hands in junior high and high school. And But then high school was interrupted and I got mononucleosis and pneumonia. lost about six, seven months of my final year of uh, high school. And so I quickly had to shift gears and then not be a mechanic anymore. And I had to become, I became a partsman. And then from there, I ended up in sales. And that sort of was my initiation into business. Now, the next 20 years, I would say ages 21 to 40, The questions I was seeking answers for was, you know, how can I grow? How can I grow and enjoy myself while looking after my family? So during, you know, the the from about 21 to 40 approximately, I was tinkering with business. My first real business was a wedding photography business. I call it Sunshine Photography, and it really kind of gave me a taste. It whetted my appetite. Because I love the creative aspect of photography and adding value to people and helping them uh, get some great photography for memories of their wedding, and that wasn't the only business, and that kind of led me on to doing more stuff, and I got into the printing business, that sort of thing. But I won't bore you with the details. But that's sort of the overgrow over overview is that how do I how can I grow? and enjoy myself while looking after my family that was the key driver well from about ages 41 to 60 it's very clear to me that this is who i am i'm an entrepreneur and how do i make the most of that so being an entrepreneur and being a third generation entrepreneur even though my father and grandfather never talked about business they thought it was more important about who i was Becoming than to teach me anything about business, and I, as I reflect back on that, I think that was very prescient and very wise. But I had this real identity that I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur, and over the course of a few decades, I sold three businesses, closed three, and I got. One of the reasons I had to close one of my businesses was I got sick with pneumonia, and again lost about three or four months of my life. My training business was growing like crazy. I trained about ten thousand entrepreneurs. And I had to close it. And then to recover, I had to get into, I chose to get into coaching. And, you know, I kind of got into corporate publishing and that sort of thing too. But, you know, the really interesting part of it was the key like fo- This is, I was clear who I was. And this is how I'm going to make the most of it. Now, at this stage of life in the 60 plus range, I find myself kind of thinking like a 20 year old again in my first 20 years is, who am I? Where do I fit in and what do I want to do with my life now? Now, you know, it's curious to me that at this point in my life, I'm asking the same basic questions I did in the first 20 years was, you know, who am I and where do I fit in in this world? Yes, I've got an empty nest. My son's 29. He's been drawn with his life, had some hiccups, but he's doing really well now. And I've had some hiccups along the way, but there's a difference, though. In my first 20 years, I was kind of riddled with doubts and insecurities because I had no experience, and I had to venture out into the world to try to make something of it, to try to explore it. I had to try things, and oftentimes I failed and things didn't work, or I would abandon ideas before I finally found something meaningful, something that made a difference in my life. So today, after six decades, I found myself still in search of meaning, except now I have the perspective of a lifetime of experiences to draw upon. So the thing that I question, I keep asking myself is, is this a blessing, this lifetime of experience, or is it a hindrance? You know, the the other second question is like, does my life experience actually translate into an advantage or is it simply baggage, other people's baggage, or baggage I'm dragging around because I'm kind of reluctant to begin again. And the third question that I've been pondering is: Have I allowed my lifetime of experiences to cast a shadow on my future? You know, to a certain degree. You know, I, you know, have I have I been living in the shadow of what I've done versus going out and going after what I want now? So, you know, stay. You know, I invite you to stay tuned. Uh, I'm going to record have a few more. Ideas and segments I want to record. Stay tuned to this and uh, continue to listen as we continue to explore this and see where this goes. So a little bit more on this whole theme of chasing meaning, not happiness. Amy, you wanted to add in, I talked about um meaning. You wanted to yeah. share your pursuit of that.
1: Well, yeah. You know, I went and made a couple notes just to tie, kind of see what it is I I um what what my pursuit of a life of meaning, what that entailed. And I I was really surprised to see a common theme here okay. of helping people in crisis and helping them move beyond that and so that they can inhabit their life fully, and you'll never guess where it began. I was looking through my um, I have a an album of my school years my mom right. put together, and which is really she neat. was really dedicated to putting everything about me in these little envelopes with my artwork through your and everything. School years, yeah, yeah. and. And there's this part on the front page that says, for every year, what do I want to be when I grow up? Oh, <laughs> And, okay, a couple times I said I want to be a little girl, <laughs> 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 which is true today. <laughs> but um, I also had things like I wanted to be a doctor, a psychiatric nurse for abused kids, a wow. counselor for abused kids. I mean, I was writing this at grade 4 and 5 wow. and 6 level. So I got huh. to high school. And uh, I was voted to um, being the most likely person to be a mom <laughs> because <laughs> every, all my, um, I had a bunch of people, some I didn't even know, they'd come to me with their problems. Right. And I would just listen to them, and sometimes oh. I would give them feedback based on my knowledge at the time. Um, you know, uh, then my first year out on my own, uh, when I was 17, I supported uh, two other teens, who were left behind by their mother. They, she just took off to go to Germany, left wow. them behind. So I moved in with them and, and helped huh. them through things. Right. Um, then in my, uh, in my adult life, I uh, had six children, four that are alive. Right. And if I could have had my way, I would have had a dozen.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and in the <a> sense, <laughs> I, I did. Because um, I helped other teens, um, nieces and nephews, international students. I helped them as they were growing get to, to they would talk mm. to me about abuse in their family and their confusion as they're growing up. Um, so there wow, was that part of it. Yeah, and even with my children, my whole objective um, in life was with them was to help them inhabit their life and... Um, you know, even though
0: you might not have at that time, I didn't put know that in those words, right. but I
1: mean, I was, I was so intentional right. and focused on adding so much, um, variety to their life so they could have, a um, an overview of all the things that they could do and the potential in their life. Right. And so I, I, I spent a lot of time in that. Um, but, I did other things, too, while I'm raising kids and everything that went on. I was helping, um, I was doing Lamaze with um, some women, and I um, Mm -hmm. did the, helped them through two births, and I also was um, involved in the La Leche League for nursing mothers, um, because I went through, I was a... um, Uh, milk factory (laughs) because I was a baby factory and I knew a lot about it but I also (laughs) dealt with the NICU um, babies in uh, ICU that were born early yes and um, because I had gone through the whole program myself and gone through the roller coaster of uh, turmoil that goes with having a child that is um, ill so I helped other couples with when I got insight later on. Um, okay. I helped them through crises, and I was part of the cuddle program uh, for mm. in, uh, babies. Um, and because I had this interest in the children um, born early, there was I also connected up then with children with special needs. Okay. And so I was a liaison for the Sunshine Community. Mm. Um, so that's uh, advocate for children with special needs and helping the parents out. And then again, I ran um, some groups uh, for the parents of children with special needs. And we met, I facilitated a group there in Town Hall in Bonacord. And this part about wanting to be really engaged in life, and I wanted to share that with other people. And so I became the Allen Ridge Association um, Social Committee President. So I was throwing luau's and Mm. um, golf tournaments and... Santa Claus parades and all that kind of thing. Um, and my daughter was in the performing arts, so I was part of that association too, the arts association. Right. And all that led to me finally opening up a store, a business right. um, called A Stars Born, and it was a yep. little Disneyland. Yeah. Um, but the whole purpose of it... That's when we it, met. Yes, you were my coach. And...
0: 2006.
1: So yep. it all became about supporting tweens and teens to um, increase their self-esteem mm. and it became a, um, a very big theme in my store and I never believe, knew that it would go that direction but big surprise now that I'm looking at how I um, pursued helping people in crises and through um, and supporting them as they grow up
0: and what is Crisis is really change
1: it's change and challenges through change.
0: Sudden change and sudden challenges, yeah.
1: Difficult challenges. Yep. Oh, no, no doubt. And a variety of challenges that come at you in different directions, right?
0: Well, my observation of this is that, yes, you were helping people in crisis, but you're also, with what you were trying to achieve with your business, was to help speak into tweens' and teens' lives. Yeah, it's Which to, would... Prevent crises possibly. That's
1: possibly what it was. It was very proactive. Yep. It wasn't, um, it was uh, helping women, to s- young women, to see that they had value so they wouldn't end up in the crises that I was, like right. with uh, abusive husbands and putting up with it um, and living mm. in shelters off and on and, and the things that I went through. Um, you right. know, I've kind of been through the trenches. But part of, um, It was just part of my persona. And even with my siblings. Just the way you were. Yeah. I supported my sister um, uh, when her husband was in the um, peacekeeping and he went to Golan. So she was alone with the kids. So I had to support her through challenges as well as when her daughter was murdered. Um, you right. know, she's still ongoing that. Um, right. the Her daughter's been gone now, I believe, two years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, time flies. It's crazy, mm-hmm. and she's just going to court now. Um, you know, right. to try and get to deal with that. Deal with that. And so, you know, there's the supporting that you support your parents. Um, you know, in Mexico, I lived in Mexico and I was a missionary there. Hmm. Um, again, helping women who uh, were um ill mm-hmm. and they were nursing their babies and stuff that was my thing to help them um with that and um hmm. so that's kind of like a really big theme throughout my life where I, right. I really believe in uh, community uh helping community and volunteering and I got my children very involved in that too mm-hmm. um, my son was part of uh um let me call that now uh, was with the Catholic Church at the time. The oh, Young okay. Esquires or something. I can't remember oh, okay. what they were. Huh. It's kind of like a Knights of Columbus thing for young people, got boys. It. And my daughter was involved in... We we got involved in so much. Even my, my oldest daughter went and did missionary work in right. uh, Mexico, and she went across to Spain. And so part of this um, being a mother... So the meaning in my life was helping people through crises and to grow
0: right. and fully
1: inhabit their lives. But with as a mother, I mean that's a huge identity for me, Absolutely. right? Um, because I have, I had a, my kids were such a large span. You know, I started having kids when I was nineteen, mm-hmm. and I was still having kids when I was thirty-two. Right. You know, so I, I had had six children, and so my main purpose in life was to give them, help them engage in their lives and support them, um, give them a safe place to land. And it's still the same way. Um, It's just now I'm an empty nester and they're doing their, they're following their own life. And it's not my job to mother them anymore, um, just to be there for them as a friend and, and a mother. It's just, I'm not mothering them. I'm not mommy. Uh Um, So, you know, I tried to give them as vast an experience as I could. You know, we traveled, I got them engaged in uh, um, activities, we went everywhere. It, I tried to make everything that we did together interesting, but I also um, believed in them um, working together as a family so we could have fun as a family, so they helped with chores. And right. It was just... I did everything I could. I tried not to be lazy about being yeah. a mom. Unfortunately, I was too much of a super mom um, mm. but you know i did I did um, uh, mellow out on that <laughs> um, so another part of what was brought me meaning was education right and I had this this hunger to learn and follow my curiosity and It was part of my personal growth and development. Um, I was extremely interested in, uh, learning about genetics and DNA so that I could cure diseases. And that was, um, a big Hmm. part of my life, um, for, well, eight years in university and Mm -hmm. school and in uh, medical research. And so that was a big part of it. Um, but, uh, because I never, I didn't finish in that area, I ended up going into, um, uh, my business, right. uh, being an entrepreneur, um, mm-hmm. because my uh, my goals in life had changed, things right. I wanted to experience. Um, so I became uh, eventually involved with uh, mental health myself mm-hmm. and overcoming challenges, but when I moved through that successfully, I ended up becoming a mentor to other mm. women, And men who were going through mental health issues. Right. And I continued to um, talk to women in need, um, trying to grow stronger and being a mentor to them because I had been in crises through abuse with my husbands and been through the shelters, been through the experience. So I um, remained a mentor to other people. Mm -hmm. And I still continue to work on our book, Um, You Are Enough, You Are Broken. We are co-writing that together. And it is for the purpose of people who um, have been, um, uh, they feel down as a result of what they went through and uh, feeling that um, they're not enough and they're broken. And that part of that um, for me is um, helping women especially. I have a soft spot for women that have gone through abuse or women with children that are having special needs.
0: Right. and you have a unique context that you can bring. Right. Cuz your life experience. And so, that's the whole point of this whole exercise.
1: Right. Um another thing that I I kind of was interesting to notice was I like I'm interested in family and um connection uh history. So for one thing I like to capture all our moments by photos. Yeah. All the things that we do. I'm a photo I, I
0: I I I I uh, always used to be the the uh, the, the photo bug. And I was always yeah. the one taking pictures. Me too. Had thousands of pictures and.
1: I hardly y- have any y- of myself. Y- you
0: keep up. You yeah exactly.
1: Nobody else grabbed the camera. I was I kind of like hogged the camera. Yeah. Um, but I also am in am interested in the our history books from our family the family trees and right. I create albums and I've been doing research and creating our own uh, history books um I'm right. not completed that but I am going to be handing those over to my kids um when they're right. at an age that they're interested I have um uh, one that is at that age now she's interested in family um but also I'm creating uh, my own kids school treasures album I have been working on that um, in the wintertime when I have more time because mm. I have oodles of boxes with all the kids' treasures. I haven't thrown out their art from grade one, <laughs> all the report cards and all the complaints yeah. from the teachers that sh- she's not applying herself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, um uh, so I during have, a very good year. Yeah, <laughs> a good year
0: with good marks. <laughs> it's
1: funny, <laughs> and you know, videos of the kids and stuff with my old camcorder, putting right. those together for the kids, and yeah. so I'm involved with that. Um, but another thing now is I'm in a new phase of my life, and right. this meaning for life, it's still there helping people through crises, helping people to get beyond right. challenges, helping people to fully inhabit their life. And we're doing
0: that
1: how? Well, we're doing this through um, uh, tr- uh, training, with- enhanced coaching training enhanced coaching with Life yep. yep. And we do videos and audios. And I try to share my insights mm-hmm. that I've accumulated from my experiences in life, how I learned from them, how I took them and use them to um understand myself and so that I could um see it I, I've learned how I learn. Right. And I I feel I have a lot now at this age to um Share as I have been in the past. I now have the chance to share
0: yep. uh,
1: so many different things, whether it's life and bi- with business. You know, everybody has a life, mm-hmm. any business person has a life, but other people who have um, experienced the same things I have. And another th- reason, one of my intentions when I'm creating these videos is really to share the insights I've accumulated. Um, since I've become an empty right. nester Right. because I'm hoping at some point my kids will show an interest in some of the things that I speak to because I didn't have these insights when I was raising them right. and as we grow I have more accumulated more information that I wish I had back
0: yeah then. you've got a you've got a context now yeah a more complete context maybe that's the that's the thing about aging
1: yeah and so you know I wish to share that with them, um, mm-hmm. but right now they're busy with their lives, right, and at some point, you know they may be interested in um seeing how I have evolved and right. maybe learning some of the things I have um and so, yeah, when I create these videos, I'm hoping one day, you know, they're just going to pick one up and say, "Right, who is that what woman? What is that? That's not my mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for me, um, in this phase of my life, it's uh, all about life or gammy and coaching people through right. um, uh, their own adventures and helping them to inhabit their their right. own lives.
0: And so we're sharing all of this information to you. So you can get a picture as to how we process and look at things and how we... How we we're we're developing this practice of life origami that uh, we believe that you can bend, fold, and shape life to your will, whims, and wishes, and it begins with the confrontation. The first step is to confront your situation to get to exam. Next step is to to look honestly at it from a, and confront you, your current situation, and then look at your and then examine your life, like we're doing
1: and i think um i uh i believe that rather than chasing happiness hmm. um i chase meaning in life and right. what naturally unfolds right within that is happiness joy peace serenity all the things that we chase absolutely i believe that we um experience that as a result of um trying to bring Meaning right. to our life and inhabit our life with meaning,
0: and it's very it's very curious to me. If we, you know, this has gone on seventeen minutes, whatever. Now okay. this is awesome. But what's neat about it is, you, folks, I hope you can hear the different how her meaning in life evolved. But there is a can so one of your major lenses or major missions. I don't know what we call it, but you, you have a heart for people and people that are in crisis and and being supportive mm-hmm. and you've had you've had your own journey through that and so this gives me an insight i mean we've been married i've known you since 2006 when we've been married you know we got married in august 2017 we've got to know each other really well but this gives me insights into you that i didn't have before even though we talked about it you haven't put it together like this so folks the the value of pursuing this and looking at this as an exercise uh is actually pretty significant in terms of the insights you'll gain, but we digress we'll continue on and uh yeah. we'll and uh, uh
1: we'll be talking about uh the lens through which we saw we see life over right. our life, and uh mine is about uh, being four eyes because right. I have four lens yeah. <laughs> that followed and, me. and the
0: other thing too is uh if you have questions for Amy and you want to reach out and ask her oh, questions yeah. uh yeah, cool. I, I'm sure that Amy would be happy to to uh, get back to you. Yeah. Okay, stay tuned. There's more to come. Bye. All right, so here we are. So I want to talk now about the three lenses that have shaped, three lenses that tend to view life through. And let me try to give you a little bit of the backstory about this and why it's important because there may be lenses through which you're viewing life that may or may not, may be supporting you but definitely are, tend to, Color our view of the world, change our point of view, so my three lenses are business, economics, and grief. so, as it relates to business so i've been self employed over thirty years now, and I've sold three businesses, closed three, and Amy and I are currently working on our seventh in my you know my seventh business amy's i don't know how many it is for her it's, she'll be along a little bit later to add to the her perspective to this story but I grew up as a third-generation entrepreneur but the interesting thing about about that is that my father and my grandfather never discussed business they were more concerned with who I was becoming and teaching me anything about business and my father died quite uh, quite early in my life at 19 so I never really got a chance to really talk to him about business But definitely, as I've ended up in business and enjoyed business and retired three times in my life, business is a significant filter. I tend to see the world through that business lens. Economics is another, because as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you're constantly concerned with the economics, because you can't, you don't escape the effect of economics, because to the degree that you're adding value, to the degree that you're bringing meaning to people through the expression that we call a business, that creates value for them and that attracts them to you or repels them away from you. So understanding how I'm fitting into the economics of business and how my business fits into the economy and how I'm adding value, which is a fundamental economic equation, is is I think pretty darn important. Now the other significant lens in my life is what I call grief. So the grief lens has come about as I've had I buried my entire family. Uh, and it started with my grandfather at sixteen, my father at nineteen, my brother at, I think was twenty one or twenty two, my sister later, and finally my mother. And so I buried my my entire family, and now it's just uh, my son and I. And my wife, Amy, and that's really, really my family. Yes, there are some nieces and nephews, but in terms of that immediate family, I buried my entire family, except for my son, obviously. He's 29, doing really well. And this beautiful woman that's in my life, her name's Amy, Amethyst. So Amethyst, is. we got married in 2017, and it's really been interesting. We've really taken the last year and a half to really just think through life and think through business Amy's got significant business experience as well as working with um, parents uh, with children with disabilities as well as uh, women in crisis so it's been it's really she brings a really interesting perspective so those are the three lenses that I tend to view life through is the lens of business the lens of economics and the lens of grief so I'm curious if you'd love to give some feedback I'd it'd be really neat to kind of include you in the show like have you thought about what lenses what experience every any major positive or major negative experience like for example the birth of my son was a major positive experience obviously the deaths of of my immediate family were significantly negative experiences all of them shaped me and has given me a lens to through which i tend to view life so i'm curious what you think your lenses are that are shaping your life I, I think this would be a really interesting thing to talk about if you'd if you'd like to call in and uh share what your lenses what your experiences are that have shaped you and then we could have a bit of a conversation about hey i'd be really open to that so uh i'm gonna continue on uh, i'll stop this particular segment now and then we'll come back in a moment
1: Hey Greg. Um, so I've been listening to uh, um, our conversation, right. and so far I'm enjoying it. And I was just interested, though, in your 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 story. I hear it um, quite frequently how you have buried your whole immediate family, and how right. you are essentially a uh, an orphan. If you want to call it that, um, you know, because you're... Last
0: man standing. Last man standing.
1: (laughs) And that, you know, all you have is me and uh, Gregory. But, you know, I disagree with that.
0: Yeah, I hear that. (laughs) Because
1: you have a new family now. Yeah. Through me, right? That's true. So... With your your four kids. I have four kids. And you have, um, you know... um, interacted with three of them quite a bit I have one that's in university and is extremely busy so we only Mm. see her one or two times a year but I mean it's you know they all love you And, of course, I have my extended family, which you haven't met, all of them. But there's always the potential, whenever I do meet up with them, that you're going to meet them, too. So you have aunts, and you have uncles, and you have nieces and nephews and all that that you haven't met yet. And you have, you know, you don't know it, but I have an extensive family. And, um, you know, when I was younger, uh, we were really close. I just got Mm -hmm. uh, busy with life and in well, a baby factory, happens, right? right? Yeah, but I mean, they're still there, and yeah, you yeah. also have your nieces and nephews and stuff like that too, from your sister True. who passed on, and her children, right? Yeah. Their children, if they have any, I'm yeah. not aware. Um, so that's the thing is that well, we that's that's, always—that's a
0: good point. You're
1: not, you know, you you're not the only one left on your family tree.
0: Oh, absolutely not. No, you know? I I mean. I I did not mean to leave that impression. It's just that, you know, that's a very, that's a huge theme in my life, dealing with grief, Uh dealing with loss. Yeah. Say it that way, dealing with loss. And um, I think there's not a lot of people, I I, I mean, I don't know anybody else that's had the experience that I have. Uh And it's absolutely shaped who I am. Exactly. It's shaped my point of view my frame of reference uh, how I think uh, it's and and um, uh, it's really created a real appreciation for the the preciousness of life and yeah. and, and how important it is to make the best use of now of the present moment so
1: yeah, and I was thinking also you know i don't I have not lost a sibling. And right. my parents are still alive, yeah. and I have lost my grandmother and my baba and my right. my grandfathers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I was much younger, mm. but it probably is not the same as losing a sibling or a parent. So I'm sure you know at some point in my life that is going to happen. Right, um, but uh, of course it is.
0: <laughs> right, and and, and 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 that's a natural part of life because that's you know sometimes we talk about you know if i die like sorry uh unfortunately the mortality rate of being human is 100% everybody that's born dies <laughs> <laughs> you know until we leave this mortal coil you know we could have a whole different conversation about what happens after but yeah. well that's not our purpose here but thanks for uh thanks for sharing that and thanks yeah. for reminding me okay you, you feel free to challenge us here in this th- th- this uh Audio is going to keep getting longer. Hopefully you folks find it valuable. (laughs) All right. So what's about to follow is I go in a little bit of a deeper dive uh, into the three major phases of my life. And uh, that's what will follow. And then... After that, you'll be able to hear Amy's story about her seven phases. Stay tuned. Keep listening. All right, so this is about the first 20 years of my life. Now, it's really interesting. Some of the things that really stand out for me is I remember my first day of school. Do you remember your first day of school? So my first day of school, I was absolutely terrified. My my mother insisted I walk to school on the first day myself. And uh, School was only three or four blocks from our house. Back in the day, that was pretty normal to walk to school. But, you know, I stood around the corner of the back of our house for quite a walk. I was so afraid to walk by myself. Finally, the school called to tell my mother that I didn't show up. She came out looking for me, and I'm standing around the corner in the backyard of our house. <laughs> and so that's sort of how my education, formal education, kind of got started off to a bit of a rough start. But... The interesting thing is is that um, as I look at those first 20 years I really was trying to figure out who I was and where do I fit in I was pretty shy and insecure and I was also kind of questioning how I fit into the family because my brother was eight years older my sister was 13 years older so by the time I started going to school grade 1 my sister was in university studying to be a teacher my brother was in I guess he was in grade seven or eight. No, he'd be in grade eight or eight or nine. And, you know, preparing to go to high school. And here I am just starting out in in, in life. So and they were out a lot. Our lifestyles were very different. So I really was confused about who I was. And as I might have mentioned earlier in this podcast, in high school, I was, I was really good with my hands. I was really really good with automobiles, uh, tuning cars, that sort of thing, and I had a lot, real blast with that. But then I ended up with mononucleosis, and then it's followed by pneumonia. I basically slept for about 20 hours a day for about three months, then I ended up with pneumonia. and it took about six, seven months, and then, but then I had this change. I had an offer to be an apprentice mechanic, turned that down because i couldn't i was alert my internist said i was allergic to oil-based products gas for rubber that sort of thing so i had to get out of that business ended up getting into the parts business ended up getting into sales kind of soft over over over-the-counter sales then i would would start uh, going out uh, making sales calls that was kind of my introduction to business so that's sort of the first 20 years so i'm curious when you think of the first i'm not sure where you're at in your life, but in your first 20 years of life, what are the things that stand What were the, you know, if you look at the at a common theme in your life, what are the common themes in your first 20 years? All right, so from about age 21 to 40, the second 20 years, the questions that I was seeking answers to was, you know, how can I grow and how can I enjoy myself while looking after my family, it became very apparent to me early on in my 20s that I really didn't enjoy working for other people. I was a pretty quick thinker, pretty progressive, very active, very very much an advocate for my customers. So When I was in sales, I kept running into rigid business owners who didn't see the world quite the way I did. And so I began tinkering with business, uh, tinkering with some business ideas. My first legitimate business was a photography business. I called it Sunshine Photography. And that sort of gave me a taste as to what might, what, co- what could be. And then from there, I went on from that and it had a business called Creative Marketing, which was kind of an initial foray into graphic design ultimately later on uh, a number of years i would get actually into the through the printing business i ended up getting more into design i did something i called corporate publishing where we did complete one-stop shopping for we would we would hire the the photographers we'd hire the art uh, graphic design artists we'd hire the copywriters we'd hire the printers put it all in one package give you one price and manage the whole project and that was it was really a fun business I really enjoyed that and it really it really made a difference in my life and then later on I ended up getting into uh, in, the, in the next phase of my life I'll talk about that in the next one is in the web development business but that's that's for the next next phase of my life but I was really trying to understand you know how can I grow how can I continue to grow and how can I enjoy myself while looking after my family so if you think about the next You know, if you're 20, depending on how old you are when you're listening to this, you know, if you're 21 to 40, what, you know, if you're middle age, 40, 50 years of age, when you look back at those ages 21 to 40 or, you know, those middle years, how I think about them for myself currently, you know, it really was a very productive time for me. And, you know, what were some of the common questions or the common theme for you in that phase of your life? All right, and then what's about to come up is I'm going to talk about my journey, uh, ages 41 to 60. All right, so when I think about ages 41 to 60, the real questions that I was pondering as I look back on it is I really had a clear identity of who I was. I was an entrepreneur. This is who I am, and the real question was this is who I am, and how how am I going to make the most of it? And so I'm an entrepreneur and I sold three businesses, closed three businesses. And now with my wife, Amy, we're starting Life Origami Corporation to really help people fully inhabit their life because every single business problem comes down to a personal choice or indecision problem. And so that translates into a thinking problem. Anyways, I digress. So in the ages 41 to 60, these were very productive periods of time in my life. During this period, uh, I had some businesses. I ended up with a very successful training business that I had to close because I ended up with pneumonia because I didn't look after myself. Got a big life lesson in self-care. I started a web development business in Houston that uh, we had really lousy timing. It was started three months before the the Iraq war uh, started. Uh, Things kind of ground to a halt. A halt so to speak but when I got sick with pneumonia this isn't exactly in the right order but you know it is what it is I'm sharing my journey with you I decided to get into the coaching business and that's really where I grew I grew my business around coaching using podcasting using my website I was writing every single day five days a week for about se- almost seven years then I wrote uh, a couple of business books for McGraw-Hill uh, one of them, the business planning book, uh, got adopted by and an organized by some universities in It was translated into Spanish and some universities in uh Mexico and Central America and Spain adopted it as a textbook anyways long story short a very productive period of my life and you know um this is who i am i'm an entrepreneur i'm an author i'm a writer, and how am I going to make the most of it that was kind of the questions that I was seeking of answering. So my question for you is, you know, if you're a baby boomer like me and you think of this period of your life, what are the common themes for you? What are the questions that you've been asking? And how has that shaped your perspective and the view in terms of how you've looked at life? Stay tuned. There's more to come. Okay, folks, so what's about to follow here is a little bit of a conversation that Amy and I had about her seven phases in her five some odd decades of uh, life, and her insights and her turnaround. And it's uh, it's actually a really inspiring story. I encourage you to continue and uh, we I know Amy would love to hear back from you. Feel free to call in on Anchor and Leave your comments and feedback and or ask questions all right so here i am with my wife amy dixon she's also co-founder of life origami and my business partner so uh, amy you had some thoughts about my six decade search for me and i have a feeling you have some thoughts about your own life
1: well it's not six
0: decades for you. No,
1: it looks like um, I've only been, I'm only in my 50s and I've had seven decades. Oh. <laughs> um, Because I think I've pushed a lot of life into, I've condensed life, <laughs> seven decades of life into five decades. I think that's accurate.
0: That, what I know of you, that's true. <laughs> you, you've done a lot of living.
1: Yeah, so I actually made notes because. Um, I didn't realize how complex it was. <laughs> this, uh, s- you know, six decades search for meaning, which was seven for me in five decades. All time. Right. So um, I was thinking about uh, my search for meaning mm. and how it has all been um, skewed or by my um, the lens, the four lens that I see life through okay so you can call me four eyes okay <laughs> <laughs> four limbs and those are essentially that i'm not enough i'm broken i need to be fixed and i need to be taken care of
0: Ooh. okay okay So those so, are the four lenses that you tend to view life through
1: I did right from the beginning when Got i was, it. started when i was four years old mom put me into kindergarten at four years old wow and it became apparent to me when I'm sitting there at the playground and the bell rings, I'm in kindergarten, mm. and I'm too small to run across the field wow. to get to class. No way. All the kids left me in their dust, and I couldn't make it. I had to. I, I couldn't make it. I was tired. I fell down. And when I got into um, school, I sat in these... They had these desks at the time. They were double desks, and you yep. sat next to one another. Yeah, yeah. And this girl, I still remember her name to this day, Shannon Hislop, okay? If I ever come across a Shannon Hislop, she better duck. She <laughs> whacked me. She knocked me in the head. I got in trouble for it. I spent my first hour of kindergarten at the corner with tape on my mouth, and I peed myself. Wow. So I had to sit in the coat room with coats around me while, until my mom came and got me. And then when I got there, when she got there, I was in trouble. So, that was my first day of school. Also, there was the part about um, everybody else had a cookie just before nap time. Wow. And I didn't have a cookie. No cookie I wasn't allowed you. cookies. They were going to make me fat. Four years old, we were already worried about cookies oh, making me fat. Oh, my goodness. So, that was that. I didn't have an orange. I didn't have an apple. I had nothing. I was not allowed to get fat at four years old. So, I learned that I was on my own. Right. And... That was the first part of it, and going to school. um, So that was that first decade, let's call it, from four years old to 16 years old. I was in this this same uh, phase where my health didn't matter to my family. Whether Um. I was how I felt or if I got sick, as long as I didn't get fat, that's all that mattered. Mm -hmm. And if I was in the hospital um, because I'd been neglected or something... um, I was, uh, there was, I don't know how to describe it, there was always a repercussion or a consequence for getting sick. Got it, yeah. And so I was very neglected um, in many ways. Other ways, things were good for me, Mm -hmm. you know, but my being neglected really um, put into my head that I am on my own, my health doesn't matter, and I'm not enough. Right. Okay. Okay. So... I'm 16 years old. Yeah, I am. I've I've graduated from high school,
0: hmm.
1: and I'm on my own already. Mm. I've I've left wow. the house and yep. all the toxicity that was mm-hmm. there, and I've decided to go into college, and um, to become a nurse. And uh, didn't work out because of funding. I couldn't get funding until right. I was a certain age. I was too young. Yeah, and I um, there was a wasn't willing to go back to my parents' place and be under the um oppression of their religion mm-hmm. and so I decided to get married and have right. babies from oh, okay. a baby factory, <laughs> so from the time I was sixteen to the time I was twenty eight years old that was uh within my first marriage, I was not enough. I still was not enough. Right. I took what I had learned as a child and brought it into my life as an adult. I am not enough.
0: Still carrying it around.
1: And I need to be fixed and I need to be taken care of by a man. I had to be married. Uh, It's not like I could go out and...
0: Couldn't be independent.
1: Yeah, I couldn't be an independent independent woman. I'm either with my parents or I'm with a man. So he taught me, of course, that I'm not enough and that he needed to fix me and that if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be able to take care of myself and that I'm broken. Right. So that's all the,
0: gets reinforced again. Yeah. So this is the, the, so the that's number to, number two. Yeah. you sixteen to twenty. So let's let's pause there for a moment, and we'll come back and and do the others. Okay. All right. So moving on to phase three.
1: Yeah. So I just looked at this. Uh, my first phase was uh, twelve years, and my second phase looks like it was twelve years. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And let's see, this next phase is from 29 years to 30 years. 40 uh, years. Yeah, I knew that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 11 years. Uh, interesting. Phase. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, recapping from the last uh, recording, my lens, my four-eyed lens was I'm not enough, I'm broken, I need to be fixed, and I need to be taken care of by somebody else. Right. So at 29 years old, I went through my first divorce, and I started um, people-pleasing in the area of education, um, because I felt I was really stupid, and everybody saw me that way. And I didn't have skills from staying at home as a wife and a baby factory, so I decided to go into education. So I went back to high school, and um, I had already graduated, but I wanted to bring my marks up because I intended to go to university. Mm-hmm. So I was in a women's shelter and then I got into university housing and I went to university and studied science for four years. And in that time frame, I remarried because I felt, you know, I needed help to take care of my children. Mm-hmm. I couldn't raise them as a single mother, I felt. Right. so, And I needed to be fixed. I still wasn't enough, by the way. I hadn't graduated. Mm. So I needed a, I needed another husband who would help take care of me. So I found one, um, one that would buy into my belief system that I'm not enough Hmm. and that I need to be taken care of when I'm broke and need to be fixed. So Hmm. I looked for maybe like a father figure, somebody who would, you know, smack me around a little bit when I needed when I needed to be fixed. So I got one of those. I found one of those. There's plenty of them out there if you're looking. (laughs) And um, so I know. There's also lots of nice guys. (laughs) But anyway, I I was really good at finding the ones that were toxic. And um, so I went into the education people-pleasing thing, went into something that I was interested in, but it didn't really tickle my fancy, really. Right. Um, I became a super mom. Ah,
0: power mom.
1: Power mom. I go to school, and I was a wife and a workhorse, and...
0: Wonder Woman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bionic woman. Bionic woman. Yeah, All Wonder right. Woman. She's she's different. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so um I, I stayed with that fellow and I learned that I'm still not enough. Um hmm. you know, I had kids, I had a few kids already. Yeah. Um and so I was used. And uh um, because uh-huh. I hadn't really done anything in my life according to him. I was broken and, you know, I would come from a bad, uh, my first marriage didn't work out and, and of course, you know, I wasn't, uh, I didn't suit his ideals. So I needed to be fixed and molded into a, a person and that he felt he had to, um, uh, Managing. prod me, micromanage yep. me. Yeah, yeah. He had to keep me organized and tell me what my duties were for the day. That kind of thing.
0: <laughs> well, that's special.
1: Yeah. So there again, same thing. Then my my next uh, phase is when I hit forty years old. Phase
0: four. Forty, yeah, year 40 old. years
1: old. and I've graduated now from school. hmm And I right. become a businesswoman. Right. Um, I learned that I am enough Mm. and there's other nice people out there and I preferred to be around them than to go home and feel awful and to be put down. And I learned that how good I was at doing things. Um, I learned that I wasn't on my own, but I was strong enough to do things on my own, um, as an independent person, but be able to, um, uh, what's the word? Delegate, mm-hmm. and I learned how to um, find the help that I needed to get things done. So I became very efficient at uh, business, and it moved into my personal life, where I was able to look at my uh, relationship and see that how I had been pursuing those kind of relationships, and that it was uh, ruining my life and my kids' lives too. Right. So I decided to uh, just end it all.
0: Yeah
1: and i was i at first i wasn't going to end it i thought i could just hold out a little longer till the business was doing better and stuff but uh uh it became you know detrimental And i woke up to a pillow above my face about to be smothered and then there was some incidents with knives and things so mm. i decided it wasn't safe to carry on anymore and i had to look at uh, reality in the face and say that uh it was either make a decision or die So I made the decision to take care of myself. And I had to leave everything behind. I lost everything. It was a um, major
0: pivotal moment, though. That's the key thing here, is that if you look at your timeline, what's going to follow, what you're going to describe, this looks like a fairly major moment.
1: Yep, but I I learned something. I learned I am enough. So so now I'm down to three.
0: Big shift in your internal story.
1: Yeah, and that I need to be fixed was I let go of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I need to be taken care of. I let go of that. And I still felt I was broken
0: oh that's interesting,
1: so from forty years old up until I was forty six yeah I became a workaholic ah, I opened okay. a, a business and it became very successful, and I worked like a dog and I had no no um uh, personal life at all. I just wanted to be on my own and I ended up with health issues because I was a workaholic. Mm. And, um, Hmm. again, I was not really taking care of my body. I didn't uh, think my medical situation was uh, very important. And so I kind of neglected myself that way. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't let anybody into my world. So I was Mm. very lonely and very sad. And I wasn't feeling well. So this is
0: from 40 to 46, eh? Yeah.
1: Okay. So there's six years there after the divorce that I felt, I just worked, and I was on my own, and I didn't let anybody into my life. Right. Um, And I felt at the end of 46, I was tired, and I needed to be taken care of. Mm. So that, I moved... That theme again. Yep. So I moved back to my parents' house, and it became very toxic again, as it was. And I allowed them to take care of me, and they felt I needed to be fixed. Right. And that I was broken, that it was my fault for the divorce, you know, and uh um that I wasn't enough as a mother and I wasn't enough as a woman and I wasn't enough as a Christian. And so they micromanaged me to help. And this is
0: phase six now.
1: This is phase five. Oh this is phase five. This oh okay. Phase, wait, I might be lying. Um yeah, this is phase six, you're yeah, right. Yeah, phase six, so it's 47. 47. to 51 years got old, it. so there's four years there yep, yep. where I felt like I was not enough, I was yep. broken, that I needed to be fixed and that I couldn't take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So I allowed them to totally let me, I fell apart and I let them, I went into victim mode and I let them hurt me really bad until I got really sick, Right, like really sick. And yep. it was, if it wasn't for my brother helping me to leave there, I don't know mm. what would have became of me, but I moved into my own place mm-hmm. um, but all those thought that thought baggage came with me, and I yeah. felt that uh, I was broken because of the the everything I'd lost with the divorce, uh, which was uh what ten years ago yeah. like twelve years ago exactly. I lost track yeah and um, that I I needed the religion to fix me. Yeah. That I was not enough before God.
0: And and, and all the the guilt and blame and shame and being
1: and being bipolar, there was this right. stigma, big that, label and stigma. Yeah, yet. and people were telling me what yeah. uh, I am not capable of doing and right. uh, how t- I'm supposed to what I'm supposed to do in my life so that uh, I don't get uh, more wrecked. Right. Um, so,
0: folks, what you're getting here is a look inside of how Amy's thinking was.
1: Yeah. So, okay, so let's I'm I'm off my uh my whining horse here. <laughs> I'm stopped not whining. Um so uh, but this it, is just, there was raw. a big change. This is real. Yep. Yeah, there was a big change. It mm-hmm. happened the beginning of 2017. Correct. I went into the hospital. I put myself in the hospital. Yep. I couldn't get up to feed myself. I was tired all the time. It really worked fatigued, well. Bad headaches, really sick, didn't know what was wrong. Yep. And I just couldn't take care of myself, and I felt I needed medication. Mm-hmm. And so, and I needed to get away from the religion and my parents. I just needed to get away. So I put myself into the Pinoca Hospital, which is a hospital. Uh, treatment center for people with psychiatric problems and other kinds of stuff. But this is the particular thing I was looking for, and so I went in there, and I was sick for the first two weeks. And what they did at that
0: time, it kind of looked like a sad story. Yeah, yeah, to a certain degree, but it's not a sad story, folks. No.
1: Um. So I went in there, and. They started with... Um, they, they cooked my meals, which was great. They cooked right. so that I got my... That's my, my, for you. Yeah. I had to have food, and then I had to get my energy up and get my physical health better. Mm-hmm. And they put me on medication um, uh, to help me with some serotonin levels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I got out of this fog. Like, at that time, I didn't right. even know where I was. Right. I couldn't find my way to the right. dining table, you know. Yeah. And something just clicked. So the doctor says, hey, you know, I want you to go to these classes. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to group therapy. I've done that. You know, everybody sit around whining about your problem, but never get beyond it. He says, well, this is not group therapy. This is an educational class. Right. So I went to these educational classes, and it was like light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I was learning things about my rights and the right way of thinking and how I had just let everybody... Um, pooping my cornflakes. Yeah. And
0: uh, things really started to change for you.
1: Yes. And when I left there, I said, things are not going to be the same. I am not going to be this. This
0: same. is a key point.
1: Yeah. I did. I said, things are, this is not going to happen anymore.
0: No, enough. Yeah. It's over. It's an old story.
1: So I did. I started, Um, I started, Uh, I didn't go run to my parents' place every day for four hours in the morning for coffee. I started uh, getting out and doing stuff for myself. I started walking, right. going to the parks, going to movies. Yeah. I went and got my hair done. Uh, you know, um, I was told that it was bad to color my hair and cut it and all that. And I mm. colored it and I cut it. And I I had a car in storage. <laughs> I pulled my car out of storage. I got a cell phone. I pulled my old computer out of the storage room. Yeah. I, got, I got some TV. I got internet yeah. and oh so you radical i you. was i was and <laughs> i started eating food that you Good know food yeah i i bought yeah. cereal with sugar in it and <laughs> <laughs> well actually what i started doing was i started eating better right um i became and i started losing weight mm-hmm. um
0: you started feeling better you started yeah. feeling better because i'm exercising
1: better. right yeah. And i'm getting yeah. out yeah. and i stopped going to all that group therapy I stopped, Stop letting people I, I felt shit like, on you. I felt like I was in victim mode. Every time I walked in there, I felt right. like I was victimizing myself, going over and over yeah. my problems. I'd been doing that for years. And I just wanted to start walking the talk.
0: And all of us have done that.
1: Yeah. So I did this big evaluation thing on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did was... I had been journaling, right? And i have been writing all my woe is me stories into my journals. And... I decided to do something different. I decided to be the observer. And I decided to go in and take a look at what my common... um,
0: She looked for themes. She was looking for themes, right? Of
1: what I felt so bad about, what I complained about. I did like a thought audit. What did I think about on a regular daily basis? Yeah. And... I went and looked into my journals and I started highlighting things, right? right? Then I went back and I took a look at what was happening, what were the circumstances at the time Ooh. that I was thinking these things. Yeah. And then I came up with these common denominators. I was thinking the same ten things caused by the same three things. Wow. And when I figured that out, I decided I figured out the toxicity and how it was affecting me. Right and then i decided to do what you and you had taught me back 12 years ago well i keep saying 12 years ago it was 2006 so 2006, that's 12 yeah. years right yeah. yeah um about taking a look at my um my frame of reference that mm-hmm. uh, affects my mindset which is composed Your of values, my
0: beliefs morals and ethics
1: principles yeah, yeah. all that and I decided to sit down and write them out again. I hadn't done this in mm. a very long time. And I found that I was, deep down, I was something different than the what stories said you were. I had been telling myself. And the stories, right. Right, based Excellent. on other people's um, mm. influence. And so then I decided to do the more of, less of thing and decided to write what I wanted more, want, more of and what I wanted less of. And what was making me happy, what was getting me up in the morning to awesome. and what seemed like. I would rather do. So rather than, um, you know, go to first thing in the morning, go to mental health and sit there in a group and then go to my counselor and then go do this. I would I would just want to go to the park. Wow. I wanted to go to the park and I wanted to pull up my camera and take pictures of flowers. Mm. I wanted to go to walk down to the river. I wanted to go swimming.
0: Right.
1: I wanted to do other things. I didn't yeah. want to spend time in therapy. It was just... Yeah. So it was time to move on. I just wanted to do other things. Yeah. And when the nurse would say, you know, Oh, I want you to get together for our group or whatever. Or, I want you to come for a, an, a um, an appointment. I just didn't feel like sitting there telling her all my problems because I just, right. I wanted to do other things.
0: You wanted to move on.
1: I just was tired of right. it and yeah. it just wasn't helping me anymore get better. And so, and I just decided to, um, uh, start doing other things. Uh, mhm. <laughs> lost my train of thought.
0: But you know what, here's the thing that I think is really interesting in all this is that you came to a place where you were enough. Right. You said enough.
1: Right. Enough. I had enough. I just You've decided really painted a clear I was picture. tired of hearing these people say mean things to me, telling right. me I was a burden and that uh you know, you don't just you're not a good enough Christian woman that anybody in the congregation would want to marry you, and it would be wrong for you to be with somebody who um, is not in the religion. So I had to live my life a martyr because I had been divorced, mm. and because I wasn't enough of a wife or an and a right. mother apparently. Right and you know they just kept pushing the fact that i was bipolar at me and saying well oh, you'd never be able to work and right. you can't take care of yourself let alone come babysit your niece and nephews uh, so
0: lots of stories lots of projection lots of blame shame and guilt
1: yeah and i just didn't think it was right and the religion um they seemed so hypocritical and i didn't believe i didn't buy into the fact that I wasn't enough because I couldn't follow their dogma. Right.
0: Didn't agree and with it either.
1: No. And so then I just thought, well, okay, I'll just take a break. Mm-hmm. I couldn't outright go cold turkey. I'll okay. just take a break. Yeah. yeah. See what happens, right? I'm going to like sneak around and in yeah. my car and use my internet and my phone <laughs> and uh and with my nice hair and, and nice clothes <laughs> that aren't
0: And get on with your life.
1: Yeah, I was gonna, you know, around Alberta and You're check a things terrible out. Person. I know. And I was going to do it in secret and then if they called I would just say I was reading my bible or something. Yeah. And anyway, I started liking life and I Yeah. and I started not wanting to spend time with them and I wasn't feeling guilty. I started feeling better and better. Right. And I knew that if I went back to associating with them, I was just going to feel bad again and then I was going to get sick again and I was getting better. And it was so encouraging.
0: Right. So then, so you did all that, you did all this work. You, you started saying no to people, right? You started, you started saying, you know, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live my life. And I'm not going to put up with this crap anymore. And what was your other realization?
1: Um.
0: (laughs) Well, that, that you, you are, you are enough yeah that you've had enough, and that you are enough that that and that, that
1: I'm not broken. I wasn't defined by this my circumstances. what happened to me before I didn't cause them right I didn't cause that stuff to happen um i I can't go into it all right now. this is but uh the thing is is that um, I learned that those things didn't happen to me because I deserved it. And I also learned that I didn't need to be on my own.
0: Uh you didn't have to be alone.
1: No. And right. so, um, I was a bad girl. I called somebody up for coffee. It was a man. She called me.
0: <laughs> Said, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> she found out I was in this we found out we were in the same city.
1: Yep. And, and he was and single. Was to,
0: I'm single again and wanna go out for coffee. So we went out for coffee. We did. Yeah, and... Uh, Should we
1: tell them? Six weeks later, we got married. Yeah, six...
0: Oh, well, that's right, too. Six <laughs> weeks later, we got married. Tell them what? We had coffee. <laughs> we coffee. I like pudding.
1: <laughs> I like pudding.
0: But you know what? Sparks the, the, the important point is here, is that Amy progressively... I hope you guys are catching this. Progressively stopped being the victim progressively changed her story progressively but it never, rewired your brain it does
1: not completely go away because right this last week i Turn jumped back into i'm broken mode what happened was i found out the reason I'm having all the pain i do is because i have fibromyalgia right we went to a rheumatologist and we, we finally got a down whole, to it
0: story in yeah, of itself yeah i
1: know <laughs> so anyway um I'm being told by this uh, rheumatologist that uh, it can't be fixed. Yeah can't do nothing I, there's nothing i can do it can't be cured this um you here's know here's some
0: photocopies here's
1: some photocopies <laughs> to read of some exercises you can do you don't need medication uh rehab cl- clinics aren't going to help you there's no yeah. way to fix this yeah. that was it you're out of the office just like that
0: bam bam, bam. thank you ma'am i went immediately
1: later. went into this i'm broken that i've got this thing this shadow that's it always shocking, be lurking it? Yeah. but and doesn't matter what i do i'll never get rid of the pain i you know if i walk i'm just going to make it worse yep. all these stories started floating in my brain the same ones that told i i grabbed mm. on when i first found out i was bipolar mm-hmm. i thought that again didn't matter what i did i would never get better and that was bullshit yep i got better great right. and it's completely under control so
0: you got this. you got a track record of getting better yep. so then what happened uh last well, night and this morning
1: well last night i thought you know I was doing fine. I was starting to, uh, um, I was dealing with things before I found out what this label was for it. Yeah. And it's like I felt like I'd given up all of a sudden. Mm. And I felt like I had no control over my pain, like before I felt I did, but now I felt like I didn't.
0: Right.
1: And, and then I felt I went into uh, I'm um, a frail mode. I'm frail. Oh. I'm. Uh, yeah. I'm. Uh, I am frail i am i am i can not do anything.
0: You're shrinking, yeah. in a way.
1: Yeah, I felt like an invalid.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so then I was thinking about what we were talking about. Like, we did look into um, information to find yep. out what fibromyalgia was. Right. And we learned that it has got to do with the brain and the, the network and connections and how you perceive um, uh, you're sensitive yeah. um, due to the firing of different neurons in your brain right. and stuff. So then I started thinking, wait a bit, minute. What about this thing we're learning about neuroplasticity?
0: Doing, yeah, we've been doing research into neuroplasticity and how you can rewire your brain. And by rewiring your brain, you can change your, not only your life experience, not only heal uh, seemingly uh, uh, untreatable uh, uh, me- uh, mental illness or, and conditions, and physical conditions, people overcoming Yep. Lear, learning how to walk again, learning how to talk after again. After a
1: stroke, you after know. Strokes, the, after strokes,
0: yep. after major accidents. Yeah. It's it's actually them slowly adjusting their mindset, using a number of different strategies of their body and retraining their brain.
1: Yeah, the the brain finds different pathways that it yep. can use to connect up. It, with yeah, it's, a,
0: it's, it's like there's a little electrician in there hooking in new wires.
1: It's <laughs> just like a what were those boards? the, the switchboards. Switchboards. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we're we got
0: we're okay. We're we're plugging in over to this one. Yeah, going into the trunk number five.
1: <laughs> so we thought, well, we'll look into this, and sure enough, there is all this research and work on neuroplasticity and fibromyalgia.
0: And suddenly, a path unfolds.
1: Yeah, there was this uh, guy Dan um, Neffeld or something. Yeah, doctor. That, yeah, Newfeld. I can't remember his name exactly, but, um, uh, yeah, he's done all this research and he himself is fibromyalgic and, uh, he, he knows all about the neuroplasticity of the brain and he's got all these, uh, books and videos and blogs all about Mm -hmm. it, how to get better, like specific tools and skills that you can do to make it better. And
0: completely that, different picture than what oh, we were yeah. painted. He
1: says you can totally undo it because yeah. all you have to do is rewire the brain. Yeah. And he has got a program on it, but I'm not at that level yet. I just want to read everything that he has to say. Well,
0: you're on your own morning, learning journey, right?
1: Right. And I've got those eight years in university. I'm yeah. pretty good at, at researching, uh, researching yeah. medical stuff. So I'm not going to fall into this victim mode if I'm broken. I think I have... Um, situations, circumstances that I can work with. And uh, I mean, I'm optimistic that if other people can do it... You can do it. ...then I can go into a remission Absolutely. too. The same way I did with bipolar.
0: So here's the key thing then, is that you <laughs> you, you had the mental resilience to go and probe and look a little deeper, not to stay stuck where you were, to choose to look at this differently. You discovered some new information... And you're in the process of acquiring the information you need to be able to intentionally change your life, shape your life, which we call life organic, because you want to fully inhabit your life.
1: Yeah. I mean, what's pain got to do with having fun?
0: Exactly. So, uh, you know, the the key message in all of this is that regardless of our search for meaning through our lives, regardless of the experiences we have, we can learn from the past.
1: I mean, I totally have learned. You know, I exactly. when I look at these little notes that I wrote as bullet points to talk about, I see the same thing. I've got my seven, my seven phases, yep. and I've got the same four things written there. I'm not enough. I'm broken. Right. I need to be fixed. I need to be taken care of. Um, and I've now that I know that that is there.
0: You can now I was
1: quickly it only took me two days to jump into the to, to turn it to around identify yep. that I had jumped into the I'm broken yep. mode.
0: And now we're taking we're taking steps, intentional steps forward. And the key thing here is this this uh this uh process of awareness is you moved into observer. Yeah. To begin to observe yourself what was going on. And you could see that you were starting to fall into the victim mentality, the victim behaviors again, and, and you pulled yourself you pulled yourself out of it
1: and the interesting thing was is i didn't I didn't engage in any blame shame guilt for having gone there right um exactly. but I was just thinking while you were talking here mm-hmm. about the part about need to be fixed, and yep. then I'm talking about wanting to get better. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the same need, needing to be fixed. I think this is um right. uh This is me undoing that thought when I was four years to sixteen years old that my health doesn't matter.
0: Oh right. See
1: now I've undone that little I've I've let go of that lens too. My health does matter. Yes. And my life experience does matter. Right. Um and that having a quality life that I deserve to have a quality life and that I have the right and I give myself permission mm-hmm. to claim my birthright to love, joy, peace, and Amen. wellness.
0: Absolutely. And so instead of that baggage being a weight that holds you down, you're packing it into your rocket. It's going to be fuel for change.
1: It's a stepping stone it's rather a stepping than a stone. stumbling block. There you
0: go. Stepping from from uh, roadblocks to stepping stones. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, Amelia. If you're still listening to this, thank you for listening. And, you know, what, is you, what are your lenses? How have you been viewing yourself? What are the stories you've been... Lenses are stories that you tell yourself, things that you accept as to be true about yourself. You can change those. You can rewire those, right? Yeah. That's what Life Origami is all about. This is just the beginning of uh, what we hope to be on a, on a semi-regular basis, uh, some broadcasts of us is thinking through just being real and raw with you about what's going on in our lives, what we're learning about fully inhabiting our lives, the process we call life origami.
1: You know what I think I'm going to do, Greg? I'm going to, as I'm learning more about neuroplasticity of the brain Mm -hmm. and my fibromyalgia, I think I might write some blogs. You on should it. blog
0: about it. So oh. I think
1: we'll put it on dot Life Wargamy,
0: Life com. And
1: I also have uh, my own blog at amydixon.com. Com. Amy That's Amy yep. A M E E.
0: A M E E D I C K S O N dot com.
1: Yeah. So I'm gonna write about it, and if you're interested, you know, yes. at all, hearing about uh, what I'm learning, and and
0: uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, if it's making the MS, um, FMS, uh, any easier. The I think that'd
0: be that'd be great for people to see. Yeah. And uh, people that are dealing with uh, just dealing with stressful situations, so much we can learn from one another. We'd love to hear from you. Call in on Anchor. Leave us a message. Give us some feedback. Ask some questions. If there's some way we could be of support to you. We'd love to hear from you, and have make it a really great day.
1: Yeah, sun so is hey. shining today here.
0: Namaste. Yeah, I'm just enjoying a peanut butter cookie here. I got my hero cookie today. <laughs> so Amy, uh, Amy, you had something more you wanted to add and share.
1: Yeah, okay. So we talked about my seven phases in five decades. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to share uh, my thoughts about from, I guess, from 50 years old to 90 years old, what I'm expecting to see in my future. Um, I turned 53 Just on the 25th. What day was that, Greg?
0: It was Sunday.
1: That was a Sunday. Oh, that's right. And I went and wrote something that was on my mind first thing in the morning. And I said, why don't I feel old? (laughs) When I was 16 years old, I thought I was pretty grown up. And I knew everything, apparently. And I was in the uh, I'm it time of my life. (laughs) I thought my school teachers and the people I babysat for, that when they were all really old, and I think they were like 24 years old range. (laughs) And I thought anybody 50 years old were as old as somebody who was like 80 years old or plus. I never thought that I'd ever get to the age of 50. And I think I was pretty juvenile at 16 years old, even though I thought I was pretty grown up because I was moving out on my own already and had graduated from high school. Um, I had learned a lot, but didn't know it. <clears throat> and I had a pretty clear idea where I was going to go in life at 16 years old. But it's a good thing I was so naive and short-sighted because it's been better than I could have imagined. And uh, it seems like it didn't take very long to get to 50 years old like I thought it would. And I don't think I'd ever want to go back to being 16 years old again. There's um, something about having the wisdom of a lifetime and from being able to learn from our experiences. And those experiences, they've shaped me to be who I am today. Um, and so that gives me more skills to keep growing and learning. And so that means I have a greater potential today at 53 years old than I ever had at 16 years old. So who would have thought of that? Because everybody thinks, oh, you have so much potential when you're when you're young, but I really feel I have more today because I have the skills and to and the experiences, what I've already learned, and learning how to learn. So people say it's the other way around, and I know my potent, my potential is greater because with being able to tap into my inner guru of my life. I'm actually accelerating through my learning curve now at the age of 53. So do you know what that can do for me in the future? It's exciting to see what the next 10 years will teach me. And I've heard people say that 50s, that you're in your prime of your life. Um, and it isn't at 16 years old like I thought. Um funny at 16 years old, my ego thought I knew everything. But at 53 years old, I'm humbled to know I've learned a lot, but not nearly as much as I will at 90 years old. So it's kind of humbling to know I'm still juvenile in a sense, (laughs) compared to what I have the potential to learn before I'm 90 years old. Either way, at both 16 and 53, there are two things I have in common. I'm still excited about life and I still have the creative child playful side that I have in life and I still like to have fun in everything I do so my advice to the 16-year-old young adults today is the same thing my grandma told me when she was very old my age is <laughs> my age when she told me this she said don't waste your precious time because life is short and you have one life to live and she also told me not to engage in a lot of family disputing because it's too short uh, and life's too short to waste time. So she was right about that. Mm. And there's the other part too. Like she she was uh trying to say family disputes that not to waste time in it because you know life's too short and we should all get along but i also believe on the same on the same token um not to engage in toxic family mm. relationships either because that's also wasting your life and ruining your life
0: mm-hmm.
1: so there's two thoughts there um she's saying not to be fighting all the time and to get along but I'm also saying yes, that's true. But also, if you can't change a situation and it's it's damaging you, then it's good to also not waste time in that type of toxicity as well. Um, the best thing I can say that I got up till now, uh, it wasn't about things, toys, houses cars. Mm. I had all that.
0: Yep. Been there done that.
1: Yeah, in my lifetime I've had I've had the fancy houses, the big posh everything. Um, but that's not what I think um the best thing I've ever had. I think um I never thought I'd be a mother of four children and the wife of a beautiful soul, Greg Jet Dixon. now the question is in my mind is what's next Mm. well seeing it's my um, best friend's birthday too my body it's going to carry me another 40 years so I'd better take care of it amen so I'm going to figure out this uh, fibromyalgia problem get my health even better, so that I can do the things that I want to do.
0: You're going to define your life, not be defined by what? By the past, but to choose to shape it going forward. That's what I'm hearing.
1: I want to fully inhabit my life, and there's so many things, for me, um, there's so many things that I want to happen in my life. We did a life compass recently. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm just going to go, oh, I'm lying. I do have it in front of me. Let me see here. Um, There's uh, four main components of my my life compass. And having a foundation of feeling calm inside, calm inside and equilibrium and being intentional about life, um, a simple life. I also want activity and mm. variety, right. and I want to have fun. So I call it my creativity compass. And the part about being active, um, I'd like. I think I can enhance that part of it if I can get the fibromyalgia to be able to work with it.
0: Well, you're not going to be defined, but you're not going to let. You might have to adapt, or, well, right. or and you might have to learn some new skills, learn some new things. Yeah. But you're going to move forward regardless.
1: But I want to still be active. I mean, right. I may not be able to do the things I
0: could did do, before.
1: I won't be able to probably ski. And well, who knows? Do
0: walkovers and handstands. And, and ha- back handsprings.
1: Back I'm handsprings. 53. Let's just... <laughs> the splits, yeah. But um, there's other things that I might like to try. Right. That'll be new and exciting. But still stay active. And I have to have variety in my life. Um, and adventure. And uh you know, I want to be able to pursue my bucket list mm-hmm. and um, feel joy and be continually learning and following my muse and my curiosity. And so I that's just what I see for myself in And
0: having F U N.
1: Oh yeah. Fun is Giving not a four word. Permission it to leather, have F U N
0: which is um, fabulous, unlimited nothingness. <laughs> <laughs> means you can do whatever you want. You can putz around doing whatever the hell you want to do.
1: Yeah. So that's what the next four decades is about. And not engaging in the I'm not enough. I am broken. I need to be fixed. And I am on my own. Baggage. thought baggage. Right. Thinking this. Because it doesn't serve me to my, my greater good.
0: Right, so what we're really talking about is about being intentional. You've you've written it down. You've shared your thoughts here with the people who are listening to the podcast and yeah. uh, people who are have the Anchor app. And if you don't have the Anchor app and you're listening to this on a podcast, you can download the Anchor app for free. And if you do that, you can call in and you can be part of our show. You can leave us a comment, give us feedback, ask us questions. We'd love to hear from you. Because we're just getting started with our business, Life Origami, and our goal is to fully inhabit our lives and share with you our journey in figuring out how to fully inhabit our lives. And along the way, we're developing some tools and some trainings and some coaching to help you do that. So,
1: yeah. oh, and I, I, uh, I put a copy up of my Life Compass. I put it up on my website, um, amydixon.com. I think we're going to put it it on the Life Orgami
0: too. well. I I just did one recently too. You helped me yesterday with that. Oh, you put it up
1: there?
0: Uh, No, I haven't put it up there yet. Okay. But here's the interesting thing, is that uh, what I've done is uh, I've created something called a uh, um, a navigation wheel.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, We you you saw something in as you interviewed me to help me with my life compass. I've only, I've never had anybody help me with that before. I've always done it for other people. And so uh, we came up with a, navig- uh, a, a navigation wheel like they'd use on a ship. Nautical, yeah. Nautical navigation wheel. It just
1: seemed more pertinent to uh, the the information that we had uh, come across because yeah. you're such a, a complex guy. <laughs> Deep guy.
0: It's complicated.
1: Cerebral. It's
0: complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you're interested in any of that stuff, you can read more about it at lifeorgamy.com. We're just uh, putting some final touches on our website. Yeah. Not quite ready to launch yet. Very soon, within days, we expect to be able to launch and begin having real conversation with people about how to, how to live a serene life, about living a serene life in 2019. So thanks for listening. Love to hear from you. Appreciate you. Namaste.